have to say, you're a wealth of knowledge on so many things. The conversations that we have are so exciting and they're always so lively, but I always walk away feeling like I've, I've learned a million things that I didn't know. So I'm going to let you tell everybody what we're going to talk about today. Well, first, I just want to thank you for having me. I'm not just excited, but I feel honored. I think mm. this work is so important. And what you're doing and putting out there is priceless because we need to have these conversations and we need them to be more mainstream and more conversational rather than instructional. Absolutely. And I think people learn best that way. I agree with you. And, and adversarial for some reason. I think people get... Um, they get a little defensive or they get uncomfortable and then suddenly what starts out at a conversation starts to become this this uncomfortableness. And that's why I love talking to you because I'm never uncomfortable talking to you. Our conversation, even if we agree to disagree or, you know, it's always just like, yeah, well, no, I don't really feel that way. And we just move on. It doesn't become a thing. So, um, yes. What are we going to talk, be talking about? Well, to your point, I think people are adversarial because we've been thrown into the mix of always choosing sides. Mm -hmm. What side do you want? It's almost like we have to keep defining it, and we've moved away from that, and not everyone is caught up yet. So today, you know, I'd love to talk about um, healing and my journey a little bit and what it is that I'd like us to teach others, which there's so many similar threads with all of our wounding, our trauma, the reason for the book, Uncover Your Recovery, Uncover Your Healing, which I'm co-authoring with, with Anne Murley. That book is coming out hopefully by the end of the year. Um, you never know with books, right? <laughs> you but never do. You never do. Uh, as you know, as an author, um, a successful author. Uh, Aw, thank you. Of a book of, of such a great um, topic, and by great I mean needed. Uh, and, and as you know, writing gets into the depths of your wounding when you're writing the way we do. And it's brought up so much stuff for me. So just a little background about my journey. I um, have recently lost 160 pounds in the last two and a half years. Yes. Uh, without the weight loss surgery, although I've had uh, other surgery, which would be to remove that excess skin, because when you lose that type of weight you don't want to be carrying around the excess so it's been a journey of epic proportions and I realize why and I talk a lot about divinity right what our relationship is I've loved the uh, uncovering of the word the God of your understanding mm -hmm. when I heard that I started using it and people can relate to that because we don't have to keep saying what is it that you believe about the divine spirit energy universal love god buddha it doesn't matter we could sit here all day talking about all the titles and uh, descriptions but the god of your understanding and so mine has changed dramatically mm -hmm. uh, i was brought up roman catholic and when and i'm grateful to my parents for giving me that foundation but it also didn't contain me when my mother passed away so I'm coming up on 21 years, wow. and I wanted to know where she was. I know you're with God, but that didn't cover it for me. I was in such grief. Yes. And that grief put me down a rabbit hole of pain that led me to the spirituality piece that I s sort of broken open and led me on the next, you know, the tw next 20 years, uh, this last 20 years, I was, I, I worked in all types of spiritual aspects of um, uncovering angels and my relationship with the divine and communicating with spirit I used to do mediumship work and teaching psychic development and all that but since the pandemic and closing the holistic center that I had spirit had moved me on to this foundations of weight loss health and healing that I want to teach other people okay and the funniest part is when we go to teach something we have all those old voices in our head that say who are you to teach xyz because since i've been on diet since i was nine instead of feeling like i've now been successful i feel like well i failed so many times instead of saying oh i finally found the key that actually works that i think will be sustainable i'm so glad that you said that because i i say i feel that way all the time i have this little voice in my head when i'm going to do something and the first thing it says is who do you think you are I don't define myself or give myself credit for saying, well, I'm taking the next step. This is where I, I just have this feeling that this is where I'm supposed to be going. 
Instead, I look back at all of my failures and I go, and you think you've earned the right to take a step forward? Like our old voices, you know, we have to learn how to, to exist in the discomfort so that we can move through it. That's what I call it. I exist in that discomfort and then I, I remind myself, no, that's not true. You're following your path and you just keep going. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm so glad you said something similar to that because yeah, sometimes we think, well, who am I to say this? Like, no, because you've gone through all of this. You've, you've, you've taken this journey. It's part of your journey. And I think strategically, a lot of us were brought up to look at what we haven't done yet or accomplished so that we can go after it. But we don't ever pause to say, look what I have done. I've been trained only to look at what needs to be done next or what have we not done. And there's a gap in there that needs to be filled. Yes. And that's where I believe a lot of healing comes from. We weren't taught self-acknowledgement. It's a seesaw that goes back and forth to ego. And a lot of things are are brought in here. And we do have to start with, you you said the word, steps. Step one. Yes. But if, if, and we're not, I don't believe we're supposed to be shown the big picture. Mm. Because if God or or the divine spirit ever showed me two and a half, three years ago, you're going to lose a hundred and... 60 pounds, you're going to move away from the teachings that you're used to doing, and you're going to move into this realm now. I would have stayed under the covers and said, I'm not doing any of that. That's too hard. It's too big. It's too much. I can't do it. So instead, you just do the, this is why one day at a time is so important. And part of the book and why it's called Uncover Your Recovery, Uncover Your Healing, recovery is for everyone. And the word recovery has gotten a little bit uh, pigeonholed into addiction, which it's absolutely part of. And my coming from addiction, surrounded with addiction, not just family and friends and how I grew up, my own addictions um, haven't always been, I'll say, honored because sugar and flour is not usually the first thing you think of when you talk about addiction. Mm-hmm. And so about three years now, so I follow a program, the, the nutrition part called Bright Line Eating, and Susan Pierce Thompson created this, and her, her, the tenant of her, her teaching is no sugar, no flour, no alcohol. And it's funny when people ask me, they said, forget that. I'm not, not <laughs> I have to give up alcohol to lose weight. I'm out of here. <laughs> but I have to say, nobody uh, has really consumed more alcohol than I probably have in my, over the course of my life. But three years ago, I did stop um, drinking because, and not forever, but for now, because I would drink and then have no inhibitions. And then it was like, eat whatever you want. If we were out, I'd order everything on the appetizer menu and, you know, different things like that. But if I didn't stop long enough to examine this behavior, you know, how would I find anything out? We have to get curious. We need to ask the questions and we can't keep looking for someone else to have the answers and that's one of the biggest reasons what I want to teach people is we listen with the intent to learn but then you can take your own pieces from all the people or anybody you listen to and create your own prescription Mm -hmm. that's the bottom line so what works for me is not going to work for you or anybody else but maybe some of it will and if we have low self-esteem why would I believe that what I pick is better than what some guru or teacher is trying to teach me. Right. And so we have to give people their power back. So how did you, um, what, what did you start uncovering while you were, while you, while you, while you were on this journey? I know you're still on it, but Mm -hmm. what were some of the things that as you began? Great question. Started happening. The, the main thing was I can do anything for one day. Wow. So my whole life has been what fasting program, what um, one month we can do this and seven day cleanse and three month this and nine month that and and it's completely overwhelming. But yeah. for today, I'll go back to you know different programs of NA and AA. Just for today, I have not had sugar or flour. Wow. And I can celebrate that. And mm-hmm. so the next thing I teach in, in the foundations of weight loss, health and healing is and 48 hour preparation. If I don't have the food and whatever we're drinking in the house, and by that I mean things without, so coffee, tea, and water, basically. But um, <laughs> if I don't have what I'm consuming in the house for the next 48 hours, I'm kind of standing on a slippery slope of failure. Yeah. Because if I want to trust myself, I need to be prepared. 
Mm-hmm. And so that just starts the uncovering of what do I need to do? So do I need to go shopping today? Do I need to take inventory at my house? Do I, you know, I've gone through, as many people have out there, clear out the whole kitchen, clear out the refrigerator and freezer. We used to do that on Sunday, but eat everything in the house to start a healthy program. Right. It's so <laughs> counterintuitive. But, um, you know, and how many Mondays are there? I've had, I've started programs. I deliberately didn't start this program on a Monday when I started I was really? like, I'm not doing another Monday, go on a diet. What day did you start? A Wednesday. There you go. Because, well, for that reason, but also because it's not a diet. Yeah. You know, I've heard a million times people say it's a lifestyle change. And like after a while you hear that and you're like, what does that even effing mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> lifestyle change. But, well, today I did. I changed my life. I move more. So I teach body movement, you know. Right. And again, it has to be what works for you. If you think I'm going to be doing jumping jacks and push-ups every day, you got no, the that's wrong not girl. Happening. Right. Great. That's not happening. But going for a walk by the beach especially, like yeah. how cool is that? Those are the best walks. Or go go for a swim. And the other thing is the timed things. I I respect the guidelines of 30 minutes a day, three times a week, whatever that is, for informational purposes. But I've also had a bunch of coaches and teachers and well meaning people that said, if you're gonna walk five minutes, you're not gonna get anywhere. But guess what? At 350 pounds, that's mm-hmm. all I could do. Right. So if I kept telling myself it wasn't going to get me anywhere, I was never going to get anywhere. So I started walking, walk out of my house and walk to the corner and right. back. And that's how I started moving. So so wait a minute. I, you have to confirm this to me. You, you had, you had mentors, instructors, trainers say to you, if you only walk for five minutes, you're not going to get anywhere? Absolutely. Well, I grew up with very um, difficult coaches that were, I'd have to put them in the, and I'm going back to grammar school, I'd have to put them in the in the category of abusers. Hmm. Um, the, the one coach, she's the one who named me Thunder Thighs, and told me, here, wear number 13 because you're so unlucky and I don't want to look at your face anymore. Like, that was what we grew up with. But she only accepted nothing less than the best. And we would win championships. I think we were too afraid not to. And so that was ingrained in us from very young ages. Now, what did you play? I played basketball and softball. Wow. And uh, I was active, but I didn't know that. I thought in my head that I was from nine years old to um, when I did tip out the scales of 350 pounds I thought I was that weight the whole time my mother God bless her she took me to Weight Watchers when I was nine mm-hmm. and later in life when I asked her about it she said she thought she was going to have me learn lessons of healthy eating right and I have no I, I love that about her she was trying to help me but she when I was. go back and look I have four si- you know those four of us siblings and the three of them were thin as rails mm-hmm. and I was chunky mm-hmm but I would have to say I wasn't fat as I thought I was. Right. But what I learned is shame and guilt and how I looked at food, my relationship with food, my relationship to my own body, my self-esteem, shrinking and hiding. And then when you add, which, you know, we've you've probably talked to many people about sexual abuse, mm-hmm. um, you start feeling like if I could just hide, nobody sees me, I won't get hurt again because nobody's protecting me. Right. And that's not a dig at my parents. They just didn't know. Right. They just didn't know. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, they did do the best they can. We hear that from therapists and everything, acknowledge that. And they did. And they were so loving and supportive. And at the same time, my father was a rageaholic um, and yeah. a drinker. And, you know, we could go down many rabbit holes here. But the point is, you learn things at a young age, the wounding and the trauma. And this is what brings us to recovery. We are all recovering from something, whether it's relationship trauma, divorce, uh, financial insecurity, things that we've lost in COVID, Sandy, there's so many different, and that's this area, but all over the world, people have losses, uh, loved ones passing, and mm-hmm. you know how we cope with that, which would be the distractions or the medicators, and it's not just always you know, addiction. It's, uh, you know, are we shopping? Are we uh, trying to medicate with um, get video games? Or uh, there's so many different things we could, like I said, talk all day about that. No, I agree with you. I tell people trauma is trauma is trauma. Our trauma is our own. It doesn't have to be um, what others perceive as, oh, my God, I can't imagine. Trauma is something as simple as losing your job and having financial insecurity. Absolutely. It's, you know, 
um, I do think that trauma has become a buzzword, but I also think it's important for people to understand that the things that affect us personally affect us deeply. Yes. And it doesn't have to be a lifelong um a lifelong trauma or something that's affected you from a young age. And we don't need other people to condone or say, yes, that's trauma. Right. Uh, or that's a deep enough trauma to be, mm-hmm. you know, accepted or, or But your pain healed. is, d- your pain, your deep pain is your deep pain. And it can happen at any time. And at any time, it can change your course or your way of thinking. It can cause insecurities that maybe you never had before. You know, you don't have to grow up in the insecurities. You don't have to grow up in the questioning um, in order to say, well, you know, I come from trauma. N- n- no, you, it, it can happen to anyone at any time for any reason. And that's very important to understand in order to be able to move past whatever it is that you're struggling with. And create a toolkit to get you out of that or to cope with it or to help heal it. Yes. Because as we're running away from of course, the word is feeling, mm-hmm. right? We're, our emotions mm-hmm. are overwhelming. So right away when we are, we, as as a society, we're not taught to be in the energy of discomfort. We don't like it. So we don't do it. As yeah. soon as we're uncomfortable, you know, we'll go just start with temperature. I'm hot. I'm cold. I'm we don't wait. We change. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying people shouldn't be comfortable, but when it comes to emotions, withstanding some discomfort to get to the place of healing, to uncover that, those things that created the discomfort in the first place is the way through the pain so that we can release it. Because our body is holding all of that. Yes. All of that information, all of that trauma, all of that wounding, and it's affecting us in ways that we're not even always aware of. So the thing that I did learn, going back to what you asked about, some of the things I learned, I wanted to it never occurred to me that anxiety and depression and things of this nature had anything to do with food. Lucy Dickinson would laugh at that because she knows <laughs> of all people, uh, yes. one of our dear friends, she she knows of all people, you know, these things, the foundations of what you're eating actually affect, you know, your, your daily life. But I didn't put two and two together. So we think we can eat all kinds, you know, drink caffeine all day, eat mm-hmm. all kinds of sugar, have no uh, positive uh, nutritional balance, and then be in a good mood. Right. It doesn't really work that way. Right. And I can tell you one of the things I uncovered, surprising to a lot of people, we do not nearly eat enough. Mm. That's such an important sentence because I never knew it. We think deprivation, eat less, my body will lose faster. It's the biggest lie. Right. It's the biggest lie. I've never eaten more in my life than I do now. Really? The quantities and it's what we're eating. Right. Not how much. And you hear all these things, right? Mm -hmm. I have to, you know, speak out against the people that say, oh, just eat right and exercise. I can't tell you how many times. Well, that's what we're always told. Eat right and exercise. What does that mean? For yourself Mm -hmm. and what your prescription is to yourself that you're going to write up with some parameters and Mm -hmm. direction is the best thing you could do for yourself. Because if you're going to tell me I have to eat Brussels sprouts and mushrooms every day, I will starve to death because I'm not eating either one of those things. I'm with you. I am not a Brussels sprouts girl. <laughs> I, you know, but, okay, so I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit yeah. because I am not someone who likes her greens. I'm not someone who, um, I'm I'm not a salad girl. Um, I, I, I don't have the best eating habits. So I try to eat in moderation. I try to take what I would normally eat and cut it in half. And that doesn't work either. <laughs> no, because if we're not getting enough fruit, green, vegetable, fat, healthy fats, we're mm. not getting enough, period. Yeah. So maybe there aren't 70 vegetables you like, but I would bet there's three. There are three. Yeah, there are definitely three. But do I want to eat them every day? Are there only three? Um... I don't know. I'd have to really think about it. I mean, I, lo- I love broccoli. Uh, I love carrots. I love peas. But then I was told peas have sugar I'm in them. I'm so glad you said that. So Because I love peas. I absolutely want to talk about that. So I can't tell you how many pe- people have said carrots are fattening, peas are fattening. I've eaten carrots every single day. Really? Since I started. 
maybe sometimes twice a day. Um, these are all myths. Maybe, now, I'm not a doctor, right? I tell people all the time, if you have a uh, problem, diabetes, et cetera, et cetera, you might mm -hmm. have different guidelines than I do, which is why there is no one-size-fits-all <laughs> in many ways, close or otherwise. Um, but you, you have to look at what you're capable of eating mm -hmm. for your health, meaning whatever underlying health conditions and maybe medications that you're on. One of the best tools we can do is write down all the foods we love in the, I would say, no sugar, no ca no flour category, and then pick from there, and you will absolutely be able to make meals out of that. Now, for instance, I, anybody that knows me knows cooking is not my thing, and it mm -hmm. never will be. And so I have to have things easy. Mm -hmm. I'm like, it better be easy. And so, for instance, I have all the vegetables that I love, and I they have to be quick. So like baby tomatoes, baby carrots, cucumbers I can slice up, yep. all in things. And then I just pull from the different containers and throw them in a big bowl, and there's my salad. Mm -hmm. Salad doesn't always have to be mixed greens or lettuce, mm -hmm. right? We can use all kinds of different things, cauliflower, broccoli, you know. Um, I do love cauliflower too. Then protein, uh, and I'm sorry to those vegetarians or vegans that don't believe in meat. I am a big meat eater. It's how we were brought up. Mm -hmm. um, Me too. It doesn't mean I don't love animals. I've, I've tried to go a different route, but A, uh, I don't feel well, mm -hmm. which I was surprised at. But for me, I do eat hamburgers and uh, steak and, you know, turkey and, you know, quantities that people would say, you eat all that? Yeah. Potatoes are not the devil. It's a grain. I'm Irish. I love potatoes. You can have, and then there's the people that believe you can't have white food, right? So, yeah. Um, but yeah, pasta has flour in it, and I would never be able to eat one bowl of pasta. It opens up a Pac-Man in me that will never close because that's a center in your brain. And some people are more susceptible to things than others. So for sugar, the people that say, okay, have a cheat day on Sunday or just have a little bit. That can't happen for me because on Monday, when everyone else's Pac-Man closed, mine is voraciously it's like looking awakening, for awakening the beast. Thank you. I have felt that way. I have I have just recently started saying to people, "Yeah, I don't know. Me and pasta, we it's I can't have one bowl. And when I have one bowl, the rest of the day, I go feeling like I'm lacking. Yes. Like so, I find myself trying to replace it with other things that will take care of that craving and I end up eating more and a lot of what I crave is sweet well you know what I only had a bowl you know what I'm gonna have a brownie and I, I you know I don't know well I, it was probably just the timing but my mom and I had this conversation about food and I said to her I know some of it has to do with you know when you grow up a certain way and we didn't grow up with a lot of money so my mom went big food shopping every other week. Yes. So when she came home on shopping day, I felt like a puppy waiting for her treat. It was like, what cookies are going to come out? You know, is it going to be a yodel? Is it going to be a little Debbie? Is it going to be whatever what was, what was on sale? It didn't matter. It was like, oh, my God, the treats are here. And in less than four days, those treats were gone. Absolutely. And you ended up spending the next 11 days feeling like, uh, and if it was the wintertime, the ice cream man wasn't coming. So she would say, all right, when you when you go to the store, buy yourself a candy bar. Buy, it was all about, can I have a treat? We, we didn't have soda. We only had soda on special occasions. When that soda came into the house, it was pop. It was like champagne. We just wanted it to flow everywhere, me and my brothers, when I say we. So there's this... And food as a reward, right? Yes. Or to help you with emotions. Are you sad? We'll go eat. If yes. after the doctor, we go have a treat. If you yeah. know you're, we're happy, we go celebrate. And food, because it's not complete abstinence like mm -hmm. other uh, addictions. If you're, you're you're abstaining from drugs and alcohol, um, et cetera, gambling, you take it out of your life. We can't take it out of yeah, our life. I love when out. someone said we have to unleash the beast three times a day. And wow. hope that it goes back in the cage. Mm. But if you know the things that trigger you, then you don't have to worry about ding, that. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. So, so when I don't have sugar or flour, I'm at peace, meaning mentally and physically. And that's why um, Susan Pierce Thompson, Bright Line Eating, she says, 
100% is easier than 97% or 99% because when you only do it 99%, you're giving yourself that chance. Believe it or not, that 1% can put you right over the edge. Oh, absolutely. Think about it. In any kind of addiction, if you leave that one little space one open, drink. It, un- it, it one just, time. Yeah, yep. you want, you're just letting everything out. So how hard was it in the beginning? This silence is for your protection. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> because you know what? A lot of times, and, and this is the whole point of wanting to do this podcast, I I love to hear about the successes, but I want to hear the truth, too. Sure. I want to know for the people who listen and say, you know what? I think maybe I'll look into this. Maybe I'll try it. And I have to, you know, we have to say Brightline does not pay you. That's You're not correct. a spokesperson. You're really just on here as a person I'm who's talking about what worked for I'm just telling you about my her. own experience, so, and it's not for yes. everyone. And if, if people want to look into it, great. But more is Thank really just coming that. from her point of view of this is what worked for me. But more importantly, I want you to tell people how hard it was because when it gets really hard, people there are there are certain people and I am one of them so this is why I'm saying it this way who feel like listen if it's this hard then I'm doing it wrong and there's got to be something else for me and it's almost our excuse to say next let me try try to find something else and people have to understand when you want something it is hard when you want success it's hard we just look at the bottom line we look at where the person is you know, when they're successful. I want to talk about all the crap in, in the beginning. I want to talk about the shitty way you feel and how angry you get. And I want to know about that. Okay. And I know you're going to tell me. I will. I I'm, know. I'm here to be honest, right? I so I will say this. What started for me, and I did not have a goal weight. They tell you pick a goal weight. There was no way I was doing that. If mm-hmm. I ever looked at a number for a goal weight, I would have never started. Right. What got me, and they don't do it anymore, was they had a 14-day challenge. And me, I'm like, I could do anything for 14 days. Okay. So I did the 14-day challenge. Mm-hmm. Now, you have to remember, I come from trauma, so don't, this wouldn't be your experience, but. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I come from trauma. Not you. I oh, was talking oh. to our <laughs> listeners. Not you, not you. Um, I did the 14-day challenge. It was it was doable for me. Yeah, you have a couple days of your detoxing from sugar and flour, and you know that was challenging. But I've done that before, so mm-hmm. I knew what to expect. Well, what if you don't know what to expect? What does it feel like? It feels like you're going through hell. No, oh. it feels like you're going through the flu sometimes. Oh, or, oh really? Um, it depends on the amount of sugar and flour you're addicted to. I was oh, okay. a pizza and ice cream addict. That was my main staples every day for, for, you know, buy one, get one free of ice cream was eat one today, the container, and eat one tomorrow. I live alone. It's me and the spoon Yeah. Uh, in the freezer, eat the whole container, and then the next day eat the next one, and then wait a couple days uh, before I buy it again until okay. the urge comes up and I'm like I have to do it right like it's I had to get away from it I was killing myself you yeah. know when that's when that scale reached yes. 350 pounds it had never been that before but I've gained and lost 100 pounds more than once mm-hmm. it's the first time I ever lost 160 pounds but mm-hmm. this felt like it was uh, it clicked something clicked right so I have the answer now could I do it forever I don't have to answer that question I'm doing it today that's what keeps me in this, you know, the success Thank you for saying of that. it. Thank you. And so when I started the 14 days, I won't say it was easy, but for me it wasn't difficult because right. I we've do and it, even if people never did a, a food 14 day challenge, they've done things for 14 days that were hard. Yes. Terribly difficult or yes. challenging. So anyone I believe can do it. Now, I know myself. I said since it was so successful and. <laughs> Uh, two things happened and you could think of me a little bit like multiple personalities in that I was very happy with my progress what happened on the 14th day and yet because of the trauma I threw myself over the bed and cried my eyes out because all I lost was 16 pounds now did you hear what I said all All I I lost lost. that was my mentality a failure yeah like some subconscious nine-year-old thought you could get all the weight off in two weeks Yes. I lost yeah. 16 pounds, which most people tell you was probably 10 pounds of water weight. Who knows? I don't know. It didn't right. matter. Right. And then the other part of me was like, oh, shit, this works. Right? So you have all these parts of yourself. So I said, I know what I'll do. I'll just pretend I woke up and I'm going to do the 14-day challenge, uh, 14 challenge again by myself because I have the formula. So I'll okay. trick myself into thinking. And mm-hmm. I did it. Mm-hmm. And I did that 14 days. And then I said, okay, 
What if I do Did you lose seven more days? I, I've lost weight for the a year and a half. Oh, this is how you... Oh, I so lost weight for a year and a half without hitting a plateau. Shockingly. Nobody does that. But I had so much weight to lose that it was coming off. Even the weeks, even the months, I'll say, that I lost a half a pound, I continuously lost weight wow. until last summer. Okay. And then these four or five pounds that I keep gaining and losing, which they tell you, your body's like, listen, we're not going to let up, get, give up any more weight. Let's see what's going on here. Like, right. Okay. And then there's a whole maintenance dance that you do. And I'm like 10 pounds away from what, where I would like to be. Mm -hmm. But that's a whole other story for another podcast. But for right now, um, I did. So I did 14 days. I did my own 14 days. Then I challenged myself to seven days. And by then, shockingly, you kind of have the program. Like I felt really good about knowing the program now. And so I just said, I'm just going to keep repeating this and see. But I'll, I'll, I will say this. The f two things happen. Either people hate eating the same things over and over or people love doing that. So right. I'm the person who's like, it's not broken. Don't fix it. And okay. I don't get bored okay. with that. So maybe I switch lunch and dinner. I'd have the same breakfast every day. But you pick out, if you're the person who has to do different things, pick out five breakfasts that you love if you need to do that or three. Don't make your food sexy. You said it before about like, what if this looks like something I love, right. but it's healthier? Guess mm -hmm. what happens? We're always wanting and wanting because it's not it. Right. So I had a, you know, in the, the emotional part of it for me was going to be way harder than the physical part of actually doing it. Mm -hmm. Since I've, I've been a dieter all my life, I could go through the motions. I could buy the food. I could plan the menus. I could, you know, set my alarm and eat when I think, you know, is the pro appropriate time to eat. What comes up when you eliminate all the sugar and flour and picking and drive-throughs and, you know, the behavior, mm -hmm. what are you going to do then? What are you filling that in with? Right. So to answer your question, I filled it in with, yelling screaming singing crying phoning friends like you have an emergency action plan which for most people it's um so i don't pick up right so i don't right. pick up i call right. a sponsor which i didn't have but um, i had i have a very great wonderful support system in mm -hmm. friends and family etc and the material yes. go back to reading and um, start my day with meditation and absolutely prayer when i open my eyes in the morning the first thing i literally do is do my gratitudes mm-hmm I don't think about anything else. I'm usually grateful for my bed because I love to sleep. <laughs> my six pillows and love to sleep. So I'm grateful for my bed. I'm grateful for the pillows. I'm grateful that I have running water yeah. and et cetera, et cetera. little things. And you go from there, which mm -hmm. are absolutely the big, the big things, things. You know, yeah. like first world problems. Like, you know, do we stop and are we grateful for it? When I get in that bathroom, there's going to be toothpaste and a toothbrush. There is... Uh, flushable water. I'm there grateful every day food. for a roof over my head because yes. for two years, the roof that was over my head wasn't my head. You know, I could have very easily been homeless had I not had the family that I had. So, and I had friends, friends that I grew up with, who friends who, you know, never had money issues or money problems who ended up in, in situations where they had to live in shelters. So I knew, you know, Wow, we're, we're really, I was always very aware that we're always just one step away from not having even the simplest things in life. So you're a thousand percent correct when you wake up every day and you think about what you're grateful for. It's a beautiful way to start your day. Well, it changes our vibration. And to me, it lays the foundation for success because we're starting at a higher vibration and shifting. Our, even if you're in a bad mood, like, oh, I have to go do whatever. Yeah. You know, whatever it is y your day has tasks for, you know, starting, we can always, you hear it all the time, we can always find something something to be thankful for, always. And do you think that mindset is what helps you? Do you think that you're just a person that doesn't need to switch up her menu and, and make it sexy? I love that, make it sexy. Or do you think part of part of your, your being able to just stay your course is also because you're grateful, because you know about the important things in life and how, how the, the simple things are the important things. So uh, I'm trying to make, so the way you look at your food is differently now. I was going to say, it's for nourishment. I never gave myself permission to even figure out what I loved in the healthy realm of food okay. because I didn't think it would ever fix me. Right. right? right. I, I was too broken, too okay. far gone. Those kind of belief systems. And could I explore? Um, I wrote a piece that's it's probably going to make it to the book called Dear Celery. 
because I can't tell you how many attempts to work celery into my uh, day or diet or whatever I tried, and the celery would come home from the grocery store, sit in the refrigerator till it went bad, and make it into the garbage. Yeah. So I had to, you know, create an apology to celery. I love celery, but mm-hmm. there was a whole connection to it to my childhood, which I won't get into now. But um, these different things, like when we examine them, mm-hmm. and then I was like, oh, I do love throwing, you know, a handful of baby tomatoes and carrots and this and that, and my the color of my salad, I take a picture of because I'm like, look how good it looks, and <laughs> it helps other people because yes. they're like, well, what does your breakfast even look like? And I'm like, for breakfast, I eat yogurt and almond butter and fruit and um a grain which would be let's say um you could have rice or potatoes or uh triscuits because that's that's not flour it's just made a straight up a different uh, wheat than other flowers and um and uh, oatmeal i love oatmeal you know Mm -hmm. all of that food not some of it i eat like a grain and fruit and uh, protein whatever your protein is or you could have eggs and what you know the whatever menus go yeah on and on. The menu goes on there's and so on. many things that's why if you go over all the proteins you like and make a list all the fruits you like and make a list all the vegetables you like all you know what the healthy fats are you can absolutely put something together that would work in my belief system and you know i feel bad for people have allergies mm. you know oh I, my gosh I, i've never had any f- food allergies which may would, would might have helped connor is shaking his head does that mean we have uh, allergies Sorry. over there <laughs> Oh, okay. Food allergies absolutely, um, you know, affect people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, we spend so much time looking at what we can have that we don't. I never gave myself permission to investigate what I could have and then what I'd like. And you know, you th- might think you don't like celery, but did you ever give yourself a chance to eat it? Because what happens? Eat it without sugar and flour in your system. Our taste buds change. So really, the, taste, the food changed for me. And really? I was so See, shocked. I d- because See, I'm I love like, when I can learn. Would I ever crave baby tomatoes? Yes, I do. <laughs> do nectarines taste like, you know, the sweetest thing I ever had? Yes. It's crazy. Do you ever have a cheat day? I've never had. Mm-hmm. Um, I um, I was going to say to you, I've never, I never went off program until recently, and recently I had two spoonfuls of peanut butter, which is not peanut butter, it's not on program, it's just a binge food for me. Mm-hmm. So that was a flag that just said to me, hey, why did that happen? Right. It's the first time in two and a half years right. that that happened. What's going on? Um, so I had to look at that and mm-hmm. see, you know, why is that happening? Will it happen again, etc. But the reason why I, I didn't, haven't gone off at all is because I know every time I've gone off, you know, I do things in a big way. I can't do things a little, right? <laughs> and I also think of my doctor. What would he say if I said to him, I know you did all this work and removed all the skin, but I think I'm going to just go yeah, go wild on pizza and ice cream and see what happens. But right. I, I'm, I'm mostly kidding because I, you can only do it for yourself. And for myself, um, mentally I might want to have the so-called freedom to do that, mm-hmm. but the... Uh, I guess the the momentary so-called pleasure in no way compares to what I gained in through this loss of yeah. the weight. That's amazing. But it's a beast. It's a beast it's that a you beast. go back yes. and forth with like, you know, some days it's really I don't even think about it. It's easy and it's on I love a word I I learned in in bright laning also automaticity. If you're on automatic pilot, the food is there, my meals are planned, I know what I'm going to have today and tomorrow. I don't have to think about it. It gives you so much freedom. Before I'd be like, again, this open pack man, should I drive through Wendy's? Should I go to the store? Should I buy every candy bar and see what's gonna help mm-hmm, me? Mm-hmm. You know, I went through times when I said, you know what, just give yourself whatever you want. And I'm like, well, I don't know what I want. So I bought every sweet that I ever liked. I'm, I thought I was gonna find out what it was that hit the spot until I found out it was nothing. Right. Because I could eat all of it and something was still missing. And that's the addiction, the the pit of addiction that you never get satisfied. Wow. Hi, my name is Moore. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the you, full fledged sugar and flour addict. But see, this is what I mean when you're learning about when when you're open to having a conversation and listening. I love to listen. I try really hard not to talk talk too much on the podcasts to just kind of interject because when you listen, like you said something 
that I've probably heard in Weight Watchers because I've been to Weight Watchers a few times or knew from Weight Watchers, but just the way you said it made it sound so simple. You said you can make a list of all the proteins and all the things that you like and pick from those and just put them together. And you think, why when Morris just said it, does it seem so simple, but when I had to do it on weight, and maybe with Weight Watchers because it was also about counting calories and how many points and write, you know writing everything down. And you know, the, you and I have talked about not being the most organized people in the world. Could you imagine me on Weight Watchers? It was like a full day job. Yes. That's what it felt like to me. It was like I had to, I had to pack a cooler and I had to do this. And no, I can't go out to dinner. And no, I don't know if I can have that. Listen, can I bring my own food with me to your house? Like it just was... It, for me, it was it, it was just I, I lost weight and, and I, I wanted to get pregnant and I lost weight and I got pregnant and then I put all the weight back on. Um, but just you saying it so simply, like, so just make a list, make a list of all the things that you like to eat. And if you're not sure what a protein is, look it up. Right. If you're not sure what, you know, is this a sugar or, you know, it's like, is a tomato a fruit or a vegetable? Like, you know, you 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 look it up. Right. You just take some time and say, let me just see what this is. Let me see what this is about. And the funniest about Weight Watchers and anyone who's been on it might relate to this. We would go on Wednesday nights when I worked in New York, a group of us. Mm-hmm. And when you're going to get on the scale, you hand somebody your barrettes and your hair. Everything, your, your socks, you're like, everything. Everything, you're like, take this. And then what would we do? We'd go out to eat afterwards. Yep, that was Because we have a whole other week to get back to It's just so such a mind this is our cheat F. we have a whole week to lose this it's oh crazy. yeah or I bank your points to friday night and friday night have drinks or whatever and that negotiation although worked for me to an extent because i did lose 72 pounds on uh, mm-hmm. weight watchers they came up to me and said we want you to be a speaker and i was like oh that's so you know that's really sweet and i never went back mm. <laughs> I'm like you want me to t- talk to other people out the door i was out out the door and off the wagon yeah and now you've just figured out well maybe it was because it was more than just what was happening at Weight Watchers you know now you they when you're at Weight Watchers you don't think of it as an addiction and you I'm just not think a I Weight Watchers no basher by any no. means no, I it think worked it has for helped me. so many people and it did yes. help me many times um, so please don't feel that way but I had to find what worked for me and this is what's worked for me mm-hmm. um, and it's funny the other thing the tagline that got me for into bright line eating is her, the first thing she said is you know when you start this you know the first year you know you don't have to exercise and I went oh that's me that's my program <laughs> <laughs> let me do that I don't have to move but the whole point was you don't want to take on too much mm-hmm. um, the other diets or programs I tried it was about how fast can I make this happen right not if it's long term if I said to someone you know try whatever it is that we're talking about and see how this lifestyle works for you you don't want to think about three years from now but three years from now you could be in the top two years from now a year from now nine months from now six months from now depending Mm -hmm. on what you're working on your whole life could be different but I wasn't taught that I was taught how fast can we do this? And that's right. the only way. That's that's success. Not sustainability, mm-hmm. not maintenance, not I want to be kind to my body, mm-hmm. not I want to support myself, not I want to have clarity or, you know, relieve some of this depression and anxiety. Right. I'll tell you, uh, I had, I, I used to belong to um, a gym called The Max and they did a challenge every 10 weeks. And it, I felt like it was finally the program that I, I, was part of that I loved that made me love exercising one of my trainers there were the most amazing women uh, really strong really dedicated um, but they looked normal they looked like regular women and one of the things that they told us every week at some point was it's not just about the exercise you could come here every day for every class which is what you were allowed to do but if you're not eating right, you're not going to be healthy. So don't think that just because, don't take on the mentality, well, I can eat whatever I want because I'm going to burn it off. It's not how it works. Your nutrition is the most important part of any health program that you have. And these were women who were killing it. 
you know, and and I could certainly see that I was losing the inches. I probably was in the best shape I had ever been, but I realized that I was also watching what I was eating. I made sure I was mindful of what I was putting in my mouth, like, oh, I don't really need this. You know, you know what? I don't want to have to plank two more times to get rid of this. You know, it just, it's, it, it, it is a mindset. It isn't just going to the gym. You really do have to figure out what works for you when it comes to your nutrition and it comes to the food that you take in. That and go hand in hand with body movement mm-hmm. that you can like. Yes. Which I can't stress that enough because we grew up with exercise as a punishment. Yep. Um, you know, we ran laps around the gym. We did jumping jacks because we were in trouble, like whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And so I just had an aversion, although I didn't realize how much I love being active. I actually go to the gym now. Thanks to my sister last year in January, she took me to her gym and I was like, I don't need to follow anything. Let's just try things and not have this strict, try different classes. I remember she took me to a Pilates class and we're halfway through the class. We're on mats next to each other. And I leaned over and I said to her, if we were married, I would divorce you right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I never went to Pilates again. And Pilates is great for some people. If we were married, I'd divorce you. <laughs> Pilates does wonders for people. So don't, you know, it's just not my thing. So everyone is different. So you have to find out what works. I love yoga. I love walking, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I do take a couple of, now I, t- wait. Wait till you hear this, because you don't know this. I box. I love boxing. I This is the first time ever I took, a, I'm in the a fourth week of a six-week boxing class, which I think is hysterical. When I tell people, they go, that's great. I'm like, aren't you surprised? They're like, no. I go, do I look like someone who would box? I'm like, well, you do look like you'd kick somebody's ass. I'm like, well, that is true. But do you love it, though? I love it, but it's it's very challenging. It's very challenging. It's once a week for one hour. It's not doesn't I, matter. I it's very challenging. You, oh my goodness, it's very challenging, but I do love it. I do love it. Do you want to know what I used to do when I boxed? When I would, because again, that program that I was in every Friday was you know kickboxing and boxing. Oh day. yeah, no, I don't want to do any kickboxing. <sighs> I just want the hand, the arms. But do you know what I did? What every Friday for the whole class, I cried. You did? I cried. Oh, not me. I grunt because I'm like, I cried. It was such an outlet for me, but that's how I felt. Okay. I felt so strong. That's great. And I think that the fact that I had this feeling that I had never had before in my life was, I am a little bit of a crier, as as you saw earlier, that that is not making it on the show. (laughs) Boo-hooing, boo-hooing. But- My bad. Sorry about that. No, it was was a beautiful cry. Um, It brought up this feeling of, look at you. Look at how strong you are. Look at, like, I for that 45 minutes, I knew what it felt like. I knew what it was like to feel like a badass. Like, nobody can take this power from me. Nobody can make me feel any less or you know weak and you know of course I was coming out of a terrible relationship and I but I cried I cried it was the most cathartic thing I ever did so whenever anybody says to me you know I'm thinking about doing boxing I'm like do it oh my god do it it's the most I don't know I I just never felt so strong well if we come from a place that we don't didn't feel protected in some way maybe yeah and now we're um, taking that power back and protecting ourselves yeah. You know, my 350 pounds helped in keeping people at a distance. Yes. At least away from my nine-year-old self. Mm-hmm. self. And I I had pretty um, big confidence around if someone came near me, I could probably take them because where I grew up, you know, mm-hmm. from Hoboken, you feel like you could kick somebody's butt. It just yeah. comes with territory. Yeah. But your nine-year-old self might question that. And so yeah. if you put boxing gloves on, um, I will say this. The first week I took boxing, um, a lot was going on in my life, and I was really angry. Something happened. Um, that, that I was in a terrible mood. Mm. That class was so good, and to me, not that hard. The next week I showed up, and I was in such a good mood, and the class was so hard, and the lady said to me, you know, you walked in here smiling. I go, I won't let that happen again. <laughs> <laughs> it really does help to get the mindset of, and you don't have to be angry like I was the first class, but to get in the mindset of, you know, the strength and training and, you know, whatever works for you. But the happy part of myself and 
you know, joyful smiler. She's not going to boxing yeah, anymore. Yeah, she's not going right to boxing now. anymore. Yeah. I really could talk to you for hours. This is so good. I love, I, I, I don't, I, look, I, I can't even speak, but you do, you always teach me so much. I always walk away with something new, something to think a little bit harder about and maybe sit on and marinate a little bit. And I love that. And that's what I want this all to be about. I want it to just be about um, talking, the conversations, the back and forth, but listening and learning. And I learned a lot today. Well, I appreciate it. And you do it so well. And I think, you know, some takeaways that I would love for people to um, go with is healing is not what we learn on the outside. It's to asking ourselves, what do you want to do? And giving ourselves permission to pick something healthy that we also like. Mm. Because, you know, trying to fit these squares into circles and make something happen um, is never going to work. We right. need our own unique prescription in every single one of us as an individual. And, you know, we could hear it all the time. You're special and you know, unique. And But the truth is the special and unique parts of you are who has to pick what works for you. And then you can't go wrong. And I love when I can end a show on something like that. So thank you, my friend, for coming on so and sharing you yourself with everyone. And thank and you for doing this. You you have always been beautiful to me because I I always feel like I've been exposed to what's on the inside of you. But I'm so happy for you that your outside matches the inside and and that you're sharing it all and you're willing, you know, my word is willing. If you're just willing to share, if you're willing to do, then you help so, you know, you don't just help yourself, you help so many other people.